0: Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. We're your hosts, Bethany Berendrecht and Brittany Robertson. We are delighted to have the chance to connect you with other women who love the Lord, who love His Word, and who are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. Thanks so much for joining us. friends, we're so glad you joined us for this episode. In the church, it's not uncommon to hear it said that we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But what does that look like practically? Many times, as much as we might want to help someone who's going through a hard time, we just don't even know where to start. Today, our friend Marissa Henley is joining us for a chat about down-to-earth and supportive ways to bless and comfort friends who are hurting or suffering. Marissa is bringing her valuable perspective as a cancer survivor and is someone who was blessed by the ministry of her church and friends. She's recently written a book that we are certain will be a blessing to the church. It's called Loving Your Friend Through Cancer, Moving Beyond I'm Sorry to Meaningful Support. We are praying that this discussion about being a support and encouragement to our friends will be a blessing to you as you think about serving those around you. Well, it's such a joy to welcome my friend Marissa Henley. Thanks for joining us, Marissa. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us about yourself and your story today?
1: Sure. Um, well, I am a wife and a mom to three kids. They're 14, 12, and almost nine years old now. And we live in Northwest Arkansas. And I am a writer and a speaker and author of a book, Loving Your Friend Through Cancer. And the the brief synopsis of my story that led to that book is that back in 2010, The day before my 34th birthday, I was diagnosed with a rare cancer called angiosarcoma and um, went through several months of chemotherapy and radiation and surgery, most of which took place at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston because of the rare and aggressive nature of the cancer that I had. And so um, I have been healthy since 2011, and I'm just really thankful to be here.
0: Well, praise God. I'm, I'm really thankful for you and the messages that you've been bringing in your writing and looking forward to your book coming out. Do you mind sharing what specifically led you to write Loving Your Friend Through Cancer?
1: Sure. Well, after I had finished with my cancer treatment, I kept hearing from friends when their friends were diagnosed and they would call or email me and ask me, how can I help my friend? I'm nervous that I'm going to say the wrong thing and I want to support her well. And so I was just handing out this advice all the time about what people should do for their friends. And it actually happened that one of my friends contacted me about a mutual friend and she was wanting to know how to support our friend. And I gave her some tips and then I got to watch her do those things. For our mutual friend with cancer and it was just a light bulb moment for me to say oh this is good for my friend with cancer who's getting this support this is good for my friend who's supporting her because she's getting to be able to be a part of this experience as the body of Christ that when one of us suffers we all suffer and she's being blessed by giving this support she just needed some direction some practical suggestions and some information about what it's like to have cancer and what you need and so I just saw this is good for everyone when we're equipped with this information. And I just wanted to share that message with other people.
0: That is a really neat testimony that you were able to bless someone indirectly. Right. Yeah. Counseling your friend, how to walk with this other friend. That's really cool. I love that.
1: It was great. Yeah.
0: So in in your book, what kind of, because your tagline is moving beyond I'm sorry to meaningful support is that correct do I have that yes. right okay yes you
1: got it right. <laughs> All right
0: good memory Bethany okay
1: yeah I'm impressed
0: <laughs> so this is it's a book that is cancer specific but the principles just from the things that I learned from you by I watched your video the one that you did about kind of advice for people that that you did a while back before you um Release, are releasing this book with with PNR Publishing, and I remember watching this, thinking these are good principles for me to think about when I have a friend who's going through a hard time. And sometimes we feel so powerless, right? And and sometimes what we need to do is just not be afraid of that person's pain, because I know that that's been that's been something that has ministered to me when I've been walking through a difficulty or um, a grief just knowing that someone's not afraid of that pain and they're willing to be with me in that. But what what are some of these principles that you're bringing up in the book? Well, I think
1: that what you're mentioning is, is really one of the most important principles, and that is to move toward the person who's suffering, um, whether it's someone with cancer or a friend who's, struggling with infertility or going through a loss of some kind, we all have those friends around us who are going through really painful circumstances and suffering. And it can feel intimidating to us if we're not sure what to say, or we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing and hurt our friends. And that's the last thing that we would want to do Would be. to add to their pain because of our own insensitivity or not knowing how to help them. And so I've been there. I've been the person to dodge the person in the church lobby Mm -hmm. (laughs) or in the grocery store because I know they're going through a hard thing and I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that if we can just kind of get over ourselves with that and Mm -hmm. know that we can be a blessing to that person with our presence and by moving toward them and taking the times to listen to what they're going through and seek to understand their pain. And the good news and the bad news is that there are no perfect words that you can say mm-hmm. that are going to make it better. Right. right. I think that a lot of times we think if I could just say the most spiritual, most beautiful, most inspirational words, <laughs> we can somehow ease their pain. The truth is that there there aren't the perfect words. So in a way, that's bad news mm-hmm. because we want to find the perfect words. But in a way, that's good news because we're off the hook on finding the perfect words. And really what our friends who are suffering need is our presence with them. Yeah. And to to sit with them in their suffering, to to cry with them, to let them know that we love them, that we are in this with them. Mm-hmm. And I think even of Jesus's example at the tomb of Lazarus, he he could have gone in with answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm here to raise Lazarus from the dead. Hey, this is all going to be okay. But instead, the first thing he did was to weep mm-hmm. with them. And so um, it's not that we won't, speak words of truth and love to our friends and share the hope that we have in Christ with them. And if they're a believer, encourage them in the hope that they have as well. But I think a really important first step is just to move toward them and to be present with them in their suffering and give them that gift of our presence with them. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. I think what you're saying reminds me of how just we're imaging God, right? We're really imaging Christ to our suffering friend by drawing near and not pulling away. And that's right. what God does is he draws near to his people. And that's such a powerful way that we can really demonstrate the welcome of of Christ in that way. So I think people who are suffering, it seems like, you know, in, in my own experience, but as I've watched other friends suffer, they struggle with a lot of the time wondering if God is still loving them through this suffering mm. and is, is God still present with them. And When we can display that truth to them in how we are acting and how we're drawing near and the words that we use we tell them the truth about who God is.
1: Yes. And that's so important. I think it's it's so helpful for our friends who are suffering to know that they are not alone mm-hmm. and that we are with them. And although it's possible that we will let them down at some point, right. <laughs> we are not the perfect right. friend. <laughs> but there is one who is the perfect yeah. friend and he will never let them down. He will never leave them or forsake them. He will provide perfectly for everything that they need. And yes, with by our presence with them and continuing need to show up to be there for our friends who are suffering, we can point them to the one who is always with them.
0: And you are not just giving platitudes here. This these are these are real truths that you've had to live out too. This is this was the reality of your life for quite a while.
1: Yes. And it's you know it's Amazing to look back on that time and especially the the months of treatment and and I did feel alone a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was physically alone mm-hmm. because I was in another state yeah. <laughs> receiving treatment or you know in bed resting or recovering. and so it's amazing. Walking through a time of suffering, it was so so hard. But I have never felt more confident in the truth of who God says He is, and the truth of His presence with yeah. us and His care for us. It was it was hard and beautiful all at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm grateful that um, God carried you through that experience and that He's just equipped you so well to share about about his nearness and about how we can love one another. Obviously I haven't read your book at this point because it's not out yet, but just right. knowing how you bring a, a really Christ centered and thoughtful approach to, to helping friends. Can you share some of principles and the practices maybe that, that you think we really can learn from to help one another through our suffering and just to be near one another?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I I think that there's there's a lot there. I think it's important to know that our friends with cancer and our friends who are suffering have a lot of different needs. When I had cancer, I had a lot of logistical needs mm-hmm. because I had young children at home and um, was going through a lot with the treatment. And so, I needed friends who were willing to clean my house and bring me food and drive my kids to piano lessons Mm -hmm. and t-ball games and all of that. And so we need friends that are willing to to serve and meet those physical, logistical kinds of needs. And then we also need people in the body of Christ who are able to help with the emotional needs. I was wrestling through a lot of difficult questions Mm -hmm. and A lot of difficult emotions with anxiety and grief and feeling overwhelmed and just the uncertainty of my future Mm -hmm. and what that was going to mean for me and for my family. And so I needed friends who were willing to sit and listen to me say some pretty heart wrenching things and not shy away from those conversations. And I also needed people to pray for me Mm -hmm. and to remind me of the truth of God's word because especially when i was getting chemo it made my brain really foggy uh-huh. and i really couldn't focus to read the word for myself and so i needed people to to do it for me right. and to send me scripture yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or to send me the lyrics to worship songs or a link to a youtube video of a worship song i just so i needed a lot of different things and so i think it was really neat to see how the body of Christ worked together, Mm. right? Not everyone could come clean my toilets. Mm -hmm. One of my best (laughs) friends had just had her fourth baby. (laughs) Um, So she couldn't clean my toilets. She couldn't even fit all of my kids with her kids in her minivan, but she could be the one to sit there and listen to me talk about, you know, my fears if I didn't survive and what that would mean for my family. And so there wasn't any one person who could do all that I needed. But working together, each one doing what God had called them to do, the Lord met every single one of our needs.
0: It seems like it's so important for us to remember that we think about if somebody else has cancer, we think now they have this event or this thing added into their life. But we need to remember that the rest of their life doesn't stop happening. You still needed to get your kids to their events. You still needed to have your toilet cleaned. All these things continue, and then you have this added layer of cancer, and it's like that with any kind of suffering, really, um, or any kind of event or grief Um, it's an added layer onto what's already happening in our lives. And so it just seems like such a beautiful ministry of the body of Christ to be able to enter in and say, I know that this is your life now, and I know that these are your realities, and I'm here with you in this. How can I help, and how can I lift you up in this? And alleviating those, those, sometimes those everyday realities. How did that minister to you in terms of just being able to cope with the realities of cancer at that time?
1: Yeah, I call I say that cancer is like the full time job that you didn't want. (laughs) And you didn't expect to have. (laughs) And it it was kind of well, it's funny now, I suppose that between in the time between when I had found the lump in my breast, and we knew there might be something going on. And the time that I actually got the diagnosis, I had said to my sister, well, it can't be cancer, because I don't have time to have cancer. (laughs) Um, I am too busy. (laughs) I have these three little kids like that. How is that going to work? That's not going to work. That's not fitting into my calendar. And then it happened anyway. And so, so yes, it, it was a huge ministry to me, the way that our community supported us and cared for us and freed me up to be able to focus on healing and processing and spending time with my kids when I could, but not doing their laundry (laughs) or fixing their food and doing, you know, spending my time on those kinds of things. And one thing that I recommend when it comes to this whole issue of all the things that have to get done and offering to help with those things is that it was really helpful when people would make a really specific offer of something that they were willing to do, rather than just saying, Hey, I'm so sorry, you're going through this. And please let me know if you need anything. Because that's what Right. I'm not going to call you up and say, "Hey, that could you bring me dinner tonight?" <laughs> that would be, you know, and I think we say that because we do sincerely want to help, but it's hard when you've just been diagnosed and you're so overwhelmed and you're hearing that from so many people, it's hard to to match those offers of help with the specific needs that you have. And so, I think as friends of people who are going through a time like that, whether it's cancer or some other suffering, if we can Just make some, make a really specific offer, either a certain time that we can come help or a certain task that we would want to help with. So instead of saying, I'd love to bring you dinner sometime, we might say, I'd love to bring you dinner next week Would Monday or Thursday be better.
0: I loved that you said that. And I remember you saying that in the the talk you gave or the live video you gave put up on Facebook, because I thought, you know, how often do I just say to somebody oh, can I bring you dinner sometime? And then they're supposed to pick what day or something like that. That puts a lot of burden on them, actually. And so what I learned from that and what I've started doing is saying, I'd like to bring your dinner. Could I do Monday or Tuesday? Or would Mm -hmm. one of those days be better or something like that? And just really thinking ahead to alleviating the burden off of their shoulders from having to to plan for me when I could bless them.
1: And I I think for the... The more long-term situations, whether it's grieving a loss or cancer treatment that's going to last several months, if you are able to make a commitment that's on a regular basis, and I'll give an example. There was a girl who I had mentored the year before I had cancer, and after my diagnosis, she reached out to me and she said, I have free time every Thursday morning and I would love to do something for you on a weekly basis. I could drive your kids to school or whatever it is that you might need on Thursday mornings, I will do it. And it was so great because my kids actually went to preschool on Thursday mornings. And a friend, the same friend who just had a baby was like trying to help with the carpool. We were supposed to carpool together. And she was getting stuck with all the carpooling because I was now dealing with cancer. And so this young woman drove my kids and my friends kids to preschool every thursday morning for the rest of the school year. And it just was so great cuz she did a perfect she's the perfect example of this really specific offer on a repeating basis because I didn't just need someone to drive my kids to preschool that thursday. I needed someone to drive my kids to preschool every thursday. <laughs> so it was it was amazing. It was so helpful and if she would have said, let me know what you need, I never in a million years would have thought to ask her to drive a bunch of preschoolers to school on Thursday mornings. So it was really great the way that she made that offer. And it was just a huge ministry to me and to my friend.
0: It seems like these wonderful people you have in your lives are really, really quite gifted with the ability to really think from the other end, what would be a blessing to that person. And that's always what we want to do. But sometimes we don't think in those terms. Um, we love the idea of being a blessing to somebody, but we don't we just don't always know the right way to go about it. And so I really love that they really practiced practiced serving you by looking at what would bless you, not just what would be convenient for them. Yes,
1: they were amazing, and that's that's one reason I'm so happy to have the opportunity to write this book because this book is not based on my expertise as someone who's really good at being a friend to people with cancer. Yeah. <laughs> this book is based on my experience of being on the receiving end of some pretty amazing friends that really took yeah. such good care of us. And were really the hands and feet of Jesus to us during that really difficult time.
0: Do you have any other um, polls or suggestions for someone who sees a friend going through a difficult time? I think
1: I would just remind everyone of the power and the importance of prayer. And I know a lot of times we don't know what to do, or we may even live far away and not be able to drive her kids to preschool or clean her toilets or bring her dinner, but we shouldn't dismiss the role that we have that is so, so important to be praying for our friends who are suffering because they need our prayers. They need us to be bringing them before the throne of our creator and Lord who loves them and cares for them. And we need to pray because it's hard when our friends are suffering. It is hard for us to watch that. It breaks our heart to see our friends hurting. And so we need the Lord's comfort and peace as well. And so I think to just not Neglect that ministry of prayer. I was so blessed to have so many people praying for me, many of whom I've never even met. And when I would get a note in the mail or a text that says, You don't have to write me back, but I just wanted you to know that I was praying these verses for you today, or this is the prayer that I was praying for your family this morning, there was just no greater encouragement than that. It was so wonderful.
0: That's lovely. Thank you so much. And what is your outlook right now? How is your How is your future looking right now as far as um, your recovery goes? Well,
1: I have been healthy since 2011, and I'm just, I get happier every year that that gets further in the rearview mirror for me, (laughs) and so it's it's still a struggle because I will always be at risk for a recurrence and other health problems as a result of the treatment that I had and so on, but I only have to get checkups for that once a year. I used to go every three months to Houston and then every four months and then every six months. And now I get to just get checked out once a year in my hometown without having to travel. So it's it's been really nice. And I'm just thankful that the Lord was glorified by keeping me here and giving me these years with my family and, and just trust him to give me the days on this earth that he has for me to do the work that he's giving me to do. So it's it's a constant process it's not easy to continually hand that over to him and right. live with the uncertainty of my future um, we all have it I'm just probably yeah. a little bit more aware of it than other people <laughs> but having that perspective I I truly am aware that every single day is a gift and I constantly say to my friends or say to myself like what am I still doing here <laughs> it's right, 2018 right. I'm still here this is amazing that's so, amazing it's great and with-
0: where can ladies connect with you if they want to hear more about your story and the things you have to share about um, the Lord, His presence in your suffering?
1: Yeah, well, probably the easiest place to find me is my website, is maressahenley.com. And there you can find all the links to me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, kind of. <laughs> um, and, but I didn't do it right. I have a different version of my name in all of those places, but it's if you, you go to my website, you'll find me um in all the different places and there's information there about the book and I write a weekly Monday devotional that I, I post there on the website and on Facebook and Instagram as well. So I would really love to connect with ladies. And if anyone has questions, if someone's walking with a friend through cancer or walking through cancer themselves, I always respond to private messages over Facebook or Instagram. So I just want to be available as a resource in whatever way people need me.
0: Excellent. And the book is, again, called Loving Your Friend Through Cancer, Moving Beyond. I'm Sorry to Meaningful Support. And it comes out May 31st. And if you pre-order, Marissa has on her website a free hand-lettered printable and song download that you can get as a, as a bonus for pre-ordering. Thank you so much for joining us, Marissa. We're so grateful that you came on the podcast and shared all this really helpful advice.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Bethany. I really enjoyed it.
0: We're really grateful for your encouragement. The Lord bless you.
1: You too.
2: Bethany, I was so encouraged by your interview with Marissa Henley because recently I had an experience where somebody was going through a trial and I wanted to help them. And I threw out that comment at first of, let me know how I can help you. Mm-hmm. And right away, I felt that conviction of when I've been in trials that, oh, I will never say like, yes, let me tell you <laughs> what I mean. Is that any of our personalities to be like, oh, sure. Okay. Let me list that off. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, well, what can I do? I was struck then right away by anxiety of like, well, what could I possibly do in this situation? And I thought I can cook food <laughs> right? because right. that's what like, it doesn't have to be like uh, a life changing thing. It can just be something that you would normally be doing. And and then when I listened to your guys' interview, it was like that cemented into my heart. Like, absolutely. This is 100% how as a community, as things continue, that's going to be coming up more often, you can almost guarantee it if mm-hmm. if this is the lesson that um, is being repeated, how important it is to be the hands, but also like actually be his hands, not just be, sorry, this is long-winded, but, but another thing that I've really been mulling over lately is often we say, I'll be praying for you. I'll mm-hmm. be praying for you. And although we need the prayers, he called us to be his hands and mm-hmm. his feet. And mm-hmm. how often are we actually Spreading his love versus just saying like I'll I'll pray for you and thinking like you you know good for me. <laughs> yeah. I said that I would do this thing. I know for
0: years I say oh I would really like to help that person just just let me know how I can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be really specific and say mm-hmm. I know you're going to have this or I'm available this day. What can I do on that day for you? Mm-hmm. Or um, can I drive your kids somewhere? Or just really sitting and thinking, okay, what is that person's life like right now? What are they going to need? Food is, my mom kind of joked once that food was my spiritual gift. because I'm like, I'll take them food. And I do love that. And that is probably the thing I gravitate more towards. But it was also really convicting to hear her talking about this and thinking, okay, am I offering the things that might not come naturally to me? Right. Am I offering outside of my comfort zone more things that I know they're going to need but I'm thinking oh it's easy for me to do food I'll just double up my family's meal and take it to them or am I saying can I come and you know clean your bathroom for you or can I come and pick up your kids and take them to the park or something like that and and being really intentional and thinking specifically
2: what that person's going to need and we should be intentional with our words because right away that made me think I've had people say can I come and do this think it's if you're going to take it one step further although you don't absolutely have to but it would be a good idea to say I would like to come and do this mm-hmm. what day works for you because mm-hmm. I have often needed the help mm-hmm. but for whatever reason maybe it's my Canadian heritage <laughs> No no no, no 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 is right exactly. away right like yeah. um, oh no 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 but but my soul is crying out like ignore what I'm saying <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> right but when it's more firm like I think of Jennifer Bolt. She yes. was somebody who was so firm when offering her help with watching the kids that in fact the first couple times i I did not answer her like I would text her back, but I wouldn't say yes, please, I would like to take you yeah. up on that offer. It took her offering because I didn't I didn't know her at the time other than that she's my dad's cousin. But it took her three times of saying, Brittany, when she would come into town, I would really like to watch the girls let me know a day that work. It took three times Mm -hmm. before I was like, she means this. She's not just trying to be polite. So I guess that would be another thing to to keep in mind is you might have to offer more than once and you might have to offer more than twice because we as women in particular, I think... um, generally think people are just trying to be nice. They yes. don't want to actually,
0: I don't want to put them out. I heard a story, actually our friend Gretchen told this story about how in, in a certain cultural community like theirs, and it's, I think it's Norwegian, but I know this is also true in a lot of German cultures because I've, I have this heritage in my family as well, but that, you know, you can accept help only after you've refused it like four times. And then when you accept help, it's, oh, but it, it's with a lot of protesting. Like, oh, I, I know what I'm putting you at. And you have to apologize constantly when you accept help. And I know that that's not just, you know, one culture versus another. And and it can just be human nature. We don't want to need grace. We don't want to need help. We want to be self-sufficient. And mm-hmm. so it's very humbling for us to receive help. Mm-hmm. And I've been, on that re- <laughs> I've been on that side of it too, right, where we had a, a family friend who recognized that we were really struggling as a family and we were kind of in a position where we felt like we couldn't ask for help. We didn't know who to ask for help. And so they were so gracious and just said, well, this is how we're, this is what we're going to do and um, we're going to come over. And, and so this lady said, I'm going to come and I'm going to hold your baby and you have to promise me that you won't clean your house before I come because I'm just coming to hold your baby so you can go to sleep. And, and so she did that and then she organized other women to make meals for her. And it was such a relief in that time because I was, you know, when you're in the fog of having a baby, or Marissa talks about this, and so does Amy Hayes in one of the posts that she wrote about identity, just the, the cancer brain fog that, that comes. But I think about any kind of trauma or any kind of difficulty or trial where your life is just really consumed with surviving that particular season, to, to accept help is, or to ask for help is almost impossible. And so for, it's such a blessing when somebody comes along and says, I know you have this need and I'm going to help meet it and I'm going to find other people to help meet it. And so it was a good reminder to me listening to her that not only do I need to have the humility to receive help when I need it and when somebody recognizes that I need help, but I also need to be thinking outside the box or outside my comfort zone. And just what you were saying about just how the church needs to mobilize within our churches to be a blessing to one another actively seek to be the hands and
2: feet of Jesus to meet the needs that that are around us and not wait to be asked and that it is a command of his to be the hands and feet Mm -hmm. and that just put we were talking about like band-aiding situations (laughs) that that just putting the band-aid over it like I'll pray for you pray but then also think he has sent me out Yes. This is what he has commanded me to do. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I'd like to add, too, it, that I really enjoyed, I loved that she brought up that sometimes... Um, which the person who's in need just needs our presence Mm -hmm. and how that's very similar to yes, that that's what God promises us is that is his presence.
0: Yeah. And being near one another and, and entering into suffering is such a big part of how we minister to one another because God doesn't withdraw his presence when we're suffering. He does. He comes and he promises to dwell with his people. And so you can see all through, all through scripture about how he draws near to his people. Think about how Jesus went and ministered to, People who were suffering, he didn't hold back his hand and say, "Don't touch me." He would reach in and touch those who were untouchable, and it makes me think of uh, one of my favorite verses is in Romans 15, and it says, "This is therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you." And I think about how we can offer welcome to someone who's suffering when we're willing to go and be near them, when we're willing to let down our guard and be unafraid of their pain. I think that's such an important part of ministering to the body is to just choose i'm not afraid of this person's pain and i'm going to go be with them as always you can connect with us on instagram at women encouraged find us on facebook and be sure to check out the show notes at WomenEncouraged.ca. if you haven't left a podcast review we'd love it if you left us a rating and a review it really helps us to reach out to other people and connect them with these wonderful women who love the lord and love
2: his word first corinthians 12 verse 27 All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. What can we offer our loved one when they are afflicted and cast down by the weight of this world, burdened with a load that seems overwhelmingly impossible for one person to carry? 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3-5 says... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. As the body of Christ, we are promised in 2 Corinthians that we can comfort all those who are in affliction because of Christ's comfort to us. Comfort can come in many forms. A hot meal, help with the daily tasks, delivering the word, and even just our presence. But whatever the trial looks like, we can and must bring comfort. We are his body, and because he first brought comfort to us, we can comfort those who are afflicted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6 verse 2.